Please join me in the prayer for Monday morning as you find it on page 170 in the front part of the hymn book. And we join our hearts and voices together. Abba, my dear Father, help me this morning and always that I may worship you in spirit and truth and desire nothing but that which is in accord with your will. Enlighten me with your Holy Spirit and cleanse my conscience from all dead works that today and evermore I may serve you in faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, and in love to him. For you have given and bestowed upon me your beloved Son, who is made to me wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Grant also that I may not resist your grace and turn your great gift from me, but that I may receive your Son in my heart and not live to myself, but to him who was delivered for my sins and was raised again for my justification. Lord, this shall be my glory and my joy to draw from you as the true fountain for grace, strength and blessing unto every good work. Do not leave me nor forsake me. Amen. fellow redeemed. When I was a student at Mankato State, at Minnesota State, Mankato, I was taking advertising classes and uh, I was assigned a particular assignment to come up with an advertising campaign, campaign for a product, a fake product, but it was known as Grow No Mow, Grow No Mow. And it was a grass seed that would grow to be three inches tall and then stop growing. So I had to build an ad campaign around this. 
And in our advertising classes, we had to try to come up with ways to convince people to purchase a product, maybe that they didn't really need even, or necessarily didn't even want. It's interesting that inside of human beings, there is a recognition that things aren't always quite the way we'd like them to be. And we often, we often have a striving in us, there's like a magnet in us toward things that will improve our lives, that will try to make life better for us. And we're, we're drawn toward those things in our lives. Even, even when you deprive yourself of food for a while, your ultimate purpose probably is to lose some weight. So maybe you look better, maybe you're more appealing, or maybe you have better health. Even an athlete, when they train their body and discipline their body, their ultimate goal is to improve themselves. There's, there's a constant recognition in us that, that things aren't quite as well or good as we'd like them to be, and there's a striving in us to want to improve. We've even put it in the Declaration of Independence. There's a pursuit of happiness inside of each one of us. The psalmist in front of us, the sons of Korah, say, say it this way, my flesh cries out for the living God. Our bodies cry out for the living God. And just like the, just like the dove that Noah let out of that top window of the ark, that went out looking for a place to land and couldn't find it in the waters, that's how our souls are in this world. We, we go out looking for things that are going to try to make our lives better. We go out looking for stuff that's going to make us feel happy and satisfied and content. But we realize that the, the things we find in this life that appear to give us a place to land and to perch really, really don't satisfy us. But this is why people are always longing for, if you will, going back to the Garden of Eden, going back to pre-fall life, going back to the way things were in the perfection that God created. It's why people go, on, go and seek therapists. It's why people buy new clothes. It's why people look at pornography. It's why people are um, planning vacations. It's why people smoke weed. All the different reasons is because we're not really happy in this world. We're not totally satisfied with how our lives are, and we know it could be better. And so we want to try to find a way to make lives, our lives better. And it, it causes our, just like a bird flying around, it causes our souls and our minds and our hearts to just look all over the place to see if we can make things better for ourselves. When I was in seminary, I remember watching a 60 Minutes documentary one night, and there was an interviewer talking to a woman. Uh, they were interviewing people who lived in the wealthiest county in the United States, which was out in California. Be this woman was in her 40s, lived in this beautiful home on the beach in Malibu. And I remember right at the end of the interview, she said, you know, I have so much money that, that I can't even think of something I couldn't buy in my life, but there's still something missing, she said. There's still something missing. In a strange way, all of this is, an, is a way of acknowledging the fallen condition that we live in in this world, that we are living constantly, daily, under the effects of the fall into sin. And there are times when we find little glimpses of happiness and little moments of joy, and maybe a little extended period now and then when things seem like they're better, but it never really stays that way. It never really lasts. It just finally fades away. Finding paradise, finding Eden can never happen in this world. 
It can never happen in this world. And there are disappointments, there are broken dreams, there is death, there is cancer, there's heartaches, there's divorce, there's strife, there's war, and there are cemeteries, and that's where we're all going. And that's what this life ultimately gives us. No wonder our flesh cries out, right? No wonder there is this relentless pursuit of happiness that's churning inside of each one of us. Last night, Tom Brady just played his 300th game. It's a, a record. And boy, if, it, if you'd think anybody would have life set for himself, it would be Tom Brady. But he still has disappointments lying ahead in his life if he doesn't have any right now. His body will break down someday, I think, maybe. Someday, his body is going to break down, okay? George Mikan, the greatest NBA player of his day back in the 1950s, um, one of the tallest players of that time. He ended up um, suffering with diabetes, had to be on dialysis the last five years of his life, and ended up the final years of his life in a wheelchair before dying. The greatest glory the world can give you will not last. It will finally leave you empty. As Solomon says, looking at everything, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Meaningless, meaningless, it's all meaningless. Remember the story of the transfiguration of Christ when he was standing on the mountain and a few of his disciples were there and witnessed these Old Testament figures that, that came to stand with him and Christ was glowing with the radiance of heaven and the glory of, of, his, of his divine nature. And Peter calls out, he says, Lord, it is good for us to be here. It's great for us to be here in the presence of this. And it's not surprising that Peter wanted to hold on to that moment. He wanted to build some little tabernacles. Just that tiny little taste of the glory of heaven that was showing through Christ at that moment was so fantastic. He just wished they could stay there, wanted to stay there. As if he could somehow create a, a little room or something that would contain this and, and at least remember how fantastic that moment was. Just think how great heaven must be. Just think of that. If just a little tiny vision of it and glimpse of it through the face of Christ could make somebody respond like that, think how amazing the home is that God has prepared for you. Each person's heart wants to find that perfect happiness that we can't find in this world. And we will only find it in the living God. Even those who don't think they need that will find it there. And wherever Christ is found in this world, through his word and his sacraments, that's where that glimpse of heaven is for us today. That's where Eden begins to be restored for you in your life. If you remember the Old Testament story of Jacob lying down to sleep and he dreamt of the, the ladder to heaven, the great stairway to heaven, and angels were ascending and descending on that, and he said afterwards, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. And he wanted to build an altar there. Think how fantastic and amazing the home must be that your Savior came to purchase just for you so that you could have it just by having simple faith in him. In the psalm that we just sang, it reminds us of things in Solomon's temple in the Old Testament days. 
There was a special room there, the most holy place, the Holy of Holies. No one was allowed to go in there. But birds probably made it in there all the time. Sparrows and swallows probably flew up inside of that temple and made it in there all of the time. God invites your soul to come into his temple where his word and sacraments present to you your Savior, who has died to forgive you all of your sins, who has purchased your entrance into the gates of heaven. And he calls your soul to come to those places where that is to be found and to find your rest there so that someday you can know what it's like to actually live in Eden. He calls out to you today, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Amen.